You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. talk about this idea, from ordinary to extraordinary. I'm continuing the series of the life you ordered, and uh, I'm going to talk about evangelism and bringing life into order through evangelism. Mark 16:15 tells us, and this is the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he left, so it must have been pretty important. It says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We need to prioritise evangelism to bring order to life. And evangelism changes, doesn't it, from time to time, you know? I, who remembers when they first got saved? Every, I hope you all remember when you first got saved. I remember when I got first, first got saved, I uh, was a, I know I've told you all, a bit of a nutcase when I was younger, a bit of a loony, and uh, I got saved on the lawn of my mate's house. And from that point on, I was so excited about Jesus. I was so excited about what he'd done in my life and the change he'd brought my life that I had to tell everybody. I Seriously, I was a nutcase. I'd run around and I'd, it wouldn't matter where you were, where I was, if you're in the street, if you're in a deli, if you're at the pub, if you're anywhere, you're in trouble because I was going to tell you about Jesus. I was going to tell you about how incredible he was and the change and the newness he, he brought to my life. I was so excited about Jesus. And I know that all my mates were the same. We all got saved out of the heavy metal scene and we all decided we needed to tell people about Jesus. If Jesus can save us, Jesus can save anybody. So that was all we did. We used to go at back alleys and things like that and talk to people. One of my friends got a beer bottle smashed over his head while he was preaching the gospel. Someone came up behind him and hit him with a beer bottle over his head. He was preaching the good news. We went back there the next week and kept preaching. Nothing would stop us. On a train, I'd be handing out tracts. It wouldn't matter where I was. I had to tell people about Jesus. We were passionate. We were mad about it. We were passionate. But what happens in life? We lose our spark, don't we? Um, have you today lost your spark for your saviour, for your salvation? Do we go around back alleys anymore and preach the good news to people or do we allow someone else to do it? I was talking to Mario a couple of months back when we were talking about uh, the Gen Connect project that we were going to do and Mario wanted to do it and work with a younger person. It was fantastic. So I was talking to Mario and he said, Oh, I love telling people about Jesus. Everything I do is about telling people. At work, I tell people about Jesus. I love to talk to young people about Jesus. I was talking to him today, out the foyer, just letting him know that I was going to talk about this. And the message he gave me out there is probably better than what you're going to... I should have got Mario up here to talk about evangelism because the man is passionate about telling people about Jesus. And I said, man, what a great way to live your life. He said, well, you never know, do you? Life is too short. It could be over like that. We need to tell people about Jesus. And I think that right there is the key to evangelism. You never know. Life is too short. When you are a new Christian, you want to tell everybody about Jesus. You want to, you want to tell the world about what change he's brought in your life. And then the opposite is true. When you're at the end of your life, when you're passing away, I've been around people who are passing away, and all they want to do is tell people about Jesus. There's an urgency at the start of your life, as your Christian walk, you want to tell people, and at the end of your life, you want to tell people. But could you imagine, could you imagine how good this world would be if everybody in this room today had that passion from the day they were saved to the day they fell off the twig? 
and you wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. It would be an incredible thing. The tomorrow is not promised to anybody. You could be gone in the blink of an eye because life is short and so could the people you love and you need to get out there and tell them. But it doesn't have to look the same evangelism. We don't all have to be, you know, on the soapbox on a street corner. Everybody's got their own part to play. And I looked at the meaning of the world evangelism and it says this, it's the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. It is zealous advocacy or support for a particular cause. It is also worth noting that it's worth 16 points in Scramble. That's Scrabble. I learned that while I was looking for this. Oh, what I love, I don't know why I even brought that up. What I love about the word evangelism is there's an important part in there. It says it's about public speaking, which is what I get to do. It's my job. And, you know, not everybody gets to stand up here and talk about Jesus. But the other thing, the really important thing is it's about personal witness. Some of my best work has been done when I don't say a word. Some of my worst work has been done when I've opened my mouth. I've told people they're going to hell. I've turned people to turn or burn. I've told people that God hates it when you do this, God hates it when you do that, and it's completely turned them off the gospel. I'm trying to share a message of grace and hope, and all I'm doing is sharing it without grace, hopelessly. Sometimes you need not say anything. Sometimes it's better just to show people that you love them and how good God is. But when you do this, your life had better line up to what you're saying because people will see through it. If you start talking about the love of Jesus and how much he's changed your life and people don't see change in your life, they see through it straight away, don't they? See, life's got to be in order. When I worked at Holden's, I uh, worked in a team of 20 people and they all knew that I was a Christian, not because I wore T-shirts and said I was a Christian or had a big wooden cross around my neck, but they knew because of my actions and that sort of thing. And I worked with 20 of them. I had this annoying habit, and I know I do it to some people here as well. I, when I leave a situation, I say, love you. So I say, you know, I'm going home now, love you. And all these blokes at Holden's, you, know, you can imagine what they're like. <laughs> Who is this bloke? Seven years I worked with these blokes, telling them every day that I love them. Love you. And then they'd say, love you too. I'd walk in, g'day Ash, love you. G'day mate, love you. 20 yobbos and Elizabeth telling me they love me. It was fantastic. We build, we build some really strong friendships in that group. One year, at the end of the year, we always had a breakup party somewhere and we'd all get together and you know, celebrate at the end of the year. Anyway, I went to this guy's house and he came up to me and he said... Uh, I'm oh, really sorry, mate. We've got some questionable entertainment coming up. And I said, yeah, well, that's no good. I said, oh, well, I'd better leave. I said, I'll go out the front and I'll wait for my lift to come and get me. And all these blokes, 20 of them, were so embarrassed that they came and stood out the front with me. None of them stayed in the house. See, we built this relation, this, this trust thing. I didn't have to say a thing. I didn't say to them, turn or burn. They say you're going to hell by doing this. They just knew where I stood, and I walked out, and they went and stood on the footpath. I'm sure they were dying for me to leave, but yeah. <laughs> when I left, love you, and well, they went back inside. In my time at Holden's, I, uh, I gave up, you know, about seven Bibles uh, in the seven years I was there. It's not a bad strike rate, one every seven years. But I'd be standing at work, and, uh, you know, someone would come up beside me and say, uh, do you know where I can get a Bible from? I said, yeah, yeah, I can get you a Bible. He said, oh, you know, we're having a bit of a, trouble in, a struggle in my life and I'd like to read I think it's worth investigating. So I'd get them a Bible and give them a Bible. And, but that opened the door to share with them the gospel. 
ask them how they're going. They'd tell you their problems. There was nothing, there was nothing built on, the, on what I'd said to them. It was all about trust. My mouth was never open. I remember, uh, and I know I've shared this story, but a girl had just a terrible time at Holden's. She'd been abused at Holden's, not physically, but in other ways. And, and she'd sit and tell me a story, and it was hideous to listen to the things she, she went through as a, as a person in a male-dominated place. And I'd just sit there and talk to her and talk about the peace that Jesus gave me and the love that got me through my things. Anyway, she, we, she moved off. She went her own way. We left Holden's. And about 10 years later, via Facebook Messenger, and I wasn't a friend of hers, she told me that um, through my talks and discussions with her, she eventually gave her life to Jesus. She got saved. She's a youth pastor in her church. She's married with kids. And I thought, you know, God can do all sorts of amazing things. I never once said to her, you need to be on your knees and pray. I just told her about the love of Jesus. Now, that was evangelism. So I was telling her about that. I don't say it to be boastful. You know, it's just, it was an amazing thing that she would tell me that after all that time, this is what happened. But it's so easy to fall into life being too busy. Unless you're a professional evangelism, you get to stand on a stage to tell the gospel story every week. We just need to be a Mario. You need to have lifestyle evangelism. Everywhere you go and everything you do must point to Jesus. The biggest stopper of evangelism is pride. It's the fear. Everything comes from pride. Fear, embarrassment, rejection, how you're going to look silly if you say something. All comes down to pride. It's about how we feel about it. Thank goodness someone had the guts to tell us all about Jesus. If everybody was so full of pride and fear, nobody would get saved. Thank goodness people had the guts to do it. I want to read you a story about a bloke called Edward Kimball. Edward Kimball was an ordinary Christian who taught Sunday school in his church and made a living down at a shoe store, but his real passion was sharing the gospel. One day, Edward determined that he was going to look for an opportunity to explain the gospel to a salesman named Dwight, who had just joined the staff. Edward was nervous. He paced back and forth. Dwight was in the back room putting shoes away. Finally, Edward mustered up the courage and launched into a story about Jesus' birth, death and resurrection. And that day, Dwight gave his life to Christ. Dwight is better known as D.L. Moody, who went on to become one of the greatest evangelists. But the story doesn't stop there. One day Moody was preaching and a pastor named F.B. Meyer was listening. He was deeply stirred and went on to establish a nationwide preaching ministry. Later, while Meyer was preaching, a young man in the audience named Wilbur Chapman accepted Christ. Chapman later felt the call to evangelism. He was proclaiming the gospel in various places. He decided he needed some help and he knew a young former baseball player named Billy Sunday who was looking for a job and Chapman hired him. Billy asked if he could preach every now and then. Billy Sunday ultimately emerged as the greatest preacher of the early 1900s. One day, Billy Sunday was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, where a great move of God was taking place. Many people believed. These new believers then invited a relatively unknown preacher named Mordecai Ham to set up his tent in Charlotte and keep preaching. It was at this time a tall, tall, lanky farm boy walked down the aisle and gave his life to Jesus. He was Billy Frank, better known as Billy Graham. And he, was personal, he has personally delivered the gospel message more than any other man in history. This is a fantastic story. 
consider this because an ordinary guy like Edward Kimball had the guts to stand up and tell his mate a word, Dwight, about Jesus. Many thousands, many hundreds of thousands of people have heard the gospel and got saved. It's also worth noting that no person in the New Testament came to faith without involvement of a human. That was God's chosen method of evangelism. The message was always personally communicated. And although God could have done the job without us, we could never do the job without him. God chose us to be the vessels to share the message of good news. Are you ordinary enough today to tell somebody about Christ? I think we all are. What I love about these stories is you never know the impact you have on the person you're talking to. You may never affect the life of someone like Billy Graham or D.L. Moody, but you don't know that the person you're speaking to just needs to hear that message today. It just might be perfect for them. The other day, actually, you know, like I just think about that. You think, oh, you know, Billy Graham getting saved. God rejoices just as much over your soul as he did Billy Graham's or D.L. Moody's. God rejoices as much for everybody in this room. So it's really important to get out and share that message. The other day we were in staff meeting and uh, Kevin gave us an update on his brother in Monto in Queensland. Monto is not an enormous place, but it's very hot. His brother's name is Dennis and he, he was in a cafe. He went to a cafe to get a cup of coffee and God said to him, sit outside. Now Dennis walked in there and thought, oh, this is beautiful, the air conditioner's on. God said, go sit outside. And Dennis said, no, I don't think so. I've got to sit. No, no, you need to sit outside. So Dennis had an argument with God and he lost. And he had to go and sit outside. When he sat outside, a man walked into the shop, later came out and struck up a conversation with Dennis. This guy's name was Dale. And Dale eventually asked him, what do you do for a job, Dennis? He said, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, that's amazing. And they got talking about God, which is incredible. And Dennis told him the truth about Jesus. And Dale said he always thought about being a Christian, but he never thought he was worthy to become a Christian. Every time he went to give his life to Jesus or consider being a Christian, he didn't think he was worthy. And Dennis told him the truth that we're all worthy because of Jesus and invited him to church the next day. Well, the next day, Dale came to church, sat in the back row, sitting there, and, and Dennis was preaching. And the lady sitting in the back row next to Dale said, leant over and said, you want to give your life to Jesus today, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. So she stood up and said, Pastor... This man here wants to give his life to Jesus. So he stopped his sermon. They came down the back. They prayed for him. The guy gave his life to Christ and walked away a new creation. It's an incredible thing because he listened to that small voice of God that he was able to sit there, have a coffee in the heat, tell him about Jesus. He comes to church, gives his life to Christ, and he goes away a new creation. That's evangelism. That's incredible, that right there. I love it. Effective evangelism comes when we do our part. How many times have we heard the voice of the Spirit say, this person needs you to talk to them, and you think, oh, it's pretty late in the day. Lord, I've got to go cook tea for my wife. She hits me. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> How many times do we say that? Never, because it doesn't happen. <laughs> How many times do we think, nah, look, they don't sort of sit, uh, fit my, uh, you know, cleanliness... Uh, regime to go and talk to them. You know I mean, we always find excuses, don't we, not to share the gospel. How many times have we missed what God's wanting to do? I certainly have done it. I've certainly heard God say something and moved on and not done it. I'm sure we all have. But the good news is someone, God will use someone who will obey and listen and do it. And the even better news, you'll get another chance. God won't say, well, that's it. You're no good. He'll say, 
there's another chance for you to do it. We need to have our ears open to what the Spirit is saying, like Dennis did, so people can come to Christ. And you never know the impact you're going to have on someone's life. I had no idea just sitting and talking to a girl at Holden's would change your life. Now, I know it wasn't just me. I know I was a part in the chain. But we, everybody needs to play the part. We are all pieces of the puzzle. We must do our part when God prompts us. We may never think anything ever happens when we talk to people about Jesus, but we don't see the big picture. You need to know you need to seed, uh, sow some seeds in people's lives. And you don't know where that person is going to end up. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6-8 it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to their labour. It is not our job to get people saved. That is not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to tell the message. Our job is to go into all the world and preach to our friends and our family about Jesus. And Holy Spirit then takes that, waters it, and people get saved. Don't think our job is to get people saved. Our our job is to preach the good news to people, and God will get them saved. John 3, that's 437, backs it up again by saying, one waters and one sows. So your job might not be the reaper, your job might be the planter. Another person's job might be holding the hose and then God will come along and people will get saved. When I spoke at Whitmore Square to homeless people and and disadvantaged people, it was just a really weird day. It was raining, people were fighting, people were getting arrested and I'm sitting here thinking, nobody wants to hear my story. I started speaking about what God had done in my life and people listened and at the very end of it I gave them an opportunity to accept Jesus and unbelievably... 15 people came forward and gave their hearts to Christ that day. And I thought, what an amazing thing. And I got that uh, I'm just saved thing again, you know. Like, oh, I'm going to go around and I'm going to preach the message to everybody. and People are going to get saved. It's incredible. So I went up to the guy and I said, what happens now? Do we get them in home groups and churches? And he sort of almost pat me on the shoulder and said, look, um, these guys are transient. We may never see them again. He said, they may not be alive tomorrow. We don't know what will happen to these people. He said, but remember this, you've played your role in leading them to Christ. Christ is working in life. They're saved today. They've started their journey. Rejoice in that. So it changed the way I thought about evangelism. We need to share our story and God does the rest. Romans 12, 4 to 5. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function. So we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts different, uh, that differ according to the grace given to us. We all have different gifts. God's made us all different for a reason. You would not want a church full of me. We need a church full of everybody because I can't relate to lots of people. You may think you're not an evangelist, but I'd like to challenge you again and say you most definitely are. And you most definitely must be for the sake of this world. I want to share with you six evangelism styles that I think each and every one of us will identify with at least one of them. These are from a book written by Bill Hybels and Mark Middleberg, The Courageous Christian. I just want you to have a listen to these and see if you don't connect with one of them. The first evangelism approach is a confrontational one. 
This is the Apostle Peter's approach to Acts 2, boldly proclaiming the gospel to whoever would hear. Evangelists who use this direct approach are often equipped with gospel tracts and ask questions like, if you were to die tonight, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? I don't know how many people were saved in the 90s, but the amount of messages I heard that said, if you walk out those doors today and you're hit by a bus, will you be going to heaven? We go, I don't know. But that's what they used to do. It's definitely more of a platform ministry, like Billy Graham would have done, direct and to the point. No time for fluff. Let's just make a decision. And I'm sure we've seen it all modelled before. I personally got saved like that. I got told on the lawn of a mate's house that I was going to go to hell. So I got scared and I got saved. Didn't once hear about Jesus' love or anything like that. I was just afraid of going to hell. It's not a bad ministry to have, but you need to have great people around you who can then share the story of grace and love to people as well. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's not about anything other than Jesus' love. And you don't want people to think that God is mean and scary, do you? You want them to know about his love. The second approach is the intellectual approach. The intellectual approach to evangelism is what Paul modelled in Acts 17 when he reasoned with philosophers and deep thinkers of Athens and is practised today by apologists and logical thinkers. Clearly this is not my approach. Uh, Someone like Joe would probably, Steve, would definitely be a logical thinking sort of person. He'd tell you a story and then explain it. It'd be great. So intellectual approach. The third one is the testimonial approach. Personal stories of transformation carry a unique weight and often do things that facts alone cannot do. Evangelists who thrive, thrive with their testimonial approach tell powerful stories of Christ's saving work in, oh, Christ's saving work in their lives. This is clearly seen in the blind man of John 9 who was healed by Jesus and then testified about it. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. And in John 9.3, Jesus explains that the entire reason this man was born blind was that the works of God might be displayed through him. That means that he was a custom made, this man specifically, for an evangelism approach. No matter what people think about God, they can never deny your testimony. You cannot deny what God's done in your life. They might not listen to it, they might not like it, you can't deny it. And it's powerful because it's truthful. It is amazing the amount of people you tell your story to who have been through the same things. I think for me personally, your testimonial approach is one of the greatest evangelism tools you can, you can give because it's truthful, it's honest, and you know the story. You don't need to know a million scriptures. It's about you and what God has done in your life. So that's a great way to do it. The other way is interpersonal approach. Not everybody is drawn to knowing apologetics or sharing their Christian testimony. For those of us of natural ability to relate to people and love being with others, the interpersonal approach to evangelism is a natural way to share Christ. You know you can be an effective with an interpersonal approach when you're able to share your faith with others out of a growing fellowship. Matthew, Luke 5, 27-29 says... After he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there were a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. This style of evangelism is often labelled friendship evangelism. And that's what I spoke about in my Holden story. You know, I didn't ever preach to any of these guys. I was just mates with them. I was genuine and real. And that's really important. The best thing we can do as Christians is be normal 
And I'm not talking about conforming to the world. We've still got to be apart from the world, but we've got to be normal. We've got to be approachable. I've said it many times, the reason that we stayed in this church is because most of you are normal and uh, you made us feel welcome. You didn't want anything from us. You just wanted to care for us and love us. And that's why we stayed in this church, because it's a normal church, it's normal people. It's really important when people see that you're genuine and normal, it will, it will mean so much more than your words. Because of that, we're able to continue our work with Jesus. The fifth way is the invitational approach. The invitational approach is similar to interpersonal, but as the, his name suggests, thrives on inviting people to events like a church service, a retreat or a Bible study. This is one of the most natural ways for newer believers who are able to reach out to others, even if they may not know the right words to say. Hey, why don't you come along to a church service where the bloke at the front does know the right words to say? The Samaritan woman Jesus met at the well in John 4, after Jesus struck up a conversation with her and revealed he was the Messiah, this woman ran back to her town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So instantly she was inviting people to come and see Jesus. We run a lot of things in a year in this church. Why, wouldn't, why is it so hard to say to them, hey, do you want to come to a marriage course? Do you want to come to ladies' brunch? Do you want to come to a Megan's breakfast, parenting teens course, dads for kids course, a discovery course? Why don't we do it? You know, when we get people to come along to those sorts of things, then it's really easy to start telling them about Jesus and they get to see how normal people are. Inviting people is really important. You must be an inviter. And finally this morning, the sixth message, if the uh, musos would like to come up, uh, is the service approach. If you naturally notice the needs of others and enjoy serving them, you might prefer the service approach to evangelism. People who prefer this approach often enjoy sharing the love of Christ through deed over word. People with the gift of hospitality often fall into this approach. The biblical example of this approach is Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. In Acts 9, 36-42, she is described as full of good works and acts of charity, who use her gifts for making clothing for God's glory. Uh, in this biblical episode, Tabitha died, causing much grief among the widows who knew her. Her ministry touched many widows, as we can see in verse 39. All the widows stood beside him weeping and show, so showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. They called the apostle Peter to help and he did, and Peter raised her back to life. If you see a need, do what you can to help people out. It's, it's a great thing to do. People want to see Jesus when you help. People will see Jesus when you help them out. When you do something for someone un, unsolicited, unwarranted, it blows their mind. Why would you do that for me? Well, because Jesus would do it for you. It's a great thing to do, be serving other people. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to many. Jesus came as the ultimate evangelist and the ultimate servant. Everything Jesus did pointed to the Father, and everything he did was for the benefit of other people. It was never for his benefit. We need to be like that. There is a world full of people who are going to a godless eternity and so many of them we know are family members, are neighbours, are school friends, are workmates. Many of these people that we know and love are going to a godless eternity and we need to open our mouth. We need to do something. We need to show them by our actions. They need to hear the gospel and get their lives in order. 
this may mean that you need to tell them of the hope and the peace you get by knowing Jesus. And they've probably heard the message many times before. You may be the third part of that cog. You may be the next step in their process of salvation. Don't diminish, don't uh, disregard that small voice of the Holy Spirit that says, hey, these guys need to hear something. These guys need to be treated well. These guys need you to do something for them. It can be as small as that. Don't miss the opportunity because who knows where they'll be after you've talked to them or after you've done something for them. We need to... We need to be chasing after people. We need to be telling them the gospel story. We need to be telling people that there is a hell and they need to know that Jesus Christ can save them from that because we've all got it. Why would we hide it? Why would we hide that gift? Why would you hide something that you're so excited about that you wouldn't tell? I mean, jeepers, I get a new car or I get new shoes and I tell people about it. Why wouldn't I tell them about the love of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life and the, the amazing, miraculous change he's caused in my life Change my life forever. It is really important. Don't leave here today without hearing what I'm saying. Each and every one of us are an evangelist. You don't need to stand on a platform to do it. You need to open your mouth. You need to show by deeds and works. You need to get around people. You need to encourage them. And they need to hear that message in one form or another that Jesus loves them and they need him to go to heaven. There's going to be no altar call today. I just want you to think on these words today. Think about those evangelism styles. and Think which one that you, you fit into. And then I want you to pray and ask God, who in my world needs to hear the message? Who amongst my friends, my family, my workmates, my school friends need to hear the message that Jesus loves them, Jesus died on the cross for them, and he is the only way to heaven? So I'm going to ask you to pray about that. Pray for those names and then pray for the words to do it or pray for the way to do it. It might be inviting someone around for tea. It might be as easy as that. It might be mowing your neighbour's lawn. You need to show Christ in this lost and broken world so that all that is ordinary about you will make an extraordinary change in other people's lives. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.